in the morning when you want the news you need the front page every hour on the press box nothing's writing on this except the uh, first amendment the constitution freedom of the press and maybe the future of the country not that any of that matters and now the news the celtics beat the timberwolves 134 to 112 Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both had 30 points, over 30 points. The Celtics are 22-3 and three in their last 25 games. They are currently the one seed in the East. They've got the same record as the Heat, but at the tiebreaker, should we be talking about the Celtics as the favorites to come out of the East? I mean, they've lost, like, what, twice in March? Yeah, they've been unbelievable. Should we be talking about Jason Tatum as the MVP? Probably not. Not even in the discussion? Nah, it should be Nikola. Nikola Jokic is having like the best season a basketball player yeah. has maybe ever had. Yeah. <laughs> I think it should be in the discussion. Maybe not maybe not win it, but I, I don't know if we're talking not talking about Jason Tatum enough. Um favors to win the East, I would say yes on a on a Monday here in March. On March twenty eighth, they've lost twice in the month. Yeah, I mean they've been incredible for a pretty long stretch here. I mean, we we talked about it what? A couple weeks ago, maybe even a whole month ago, that 538 had the Celtics as the NBA champion favorites, according to their model. And it's because they blow a lot of good teams out. Like, they've been extremely good. Right now, for the entirety of the season, the Boston Celtics have the second best net rating in the entire NBA. Only the Phoenix Suns are better. The Celtics are number one in defensive rating in the NBA this season. Like, they are very good and have been dominating a lot of good teams recently. Yeah, they've been great, Rick. So maybe they should be the favorites to come out of the East. I don't care about your next question. The Hornets beat the Nets 119-110. It was Kyrie Irving's first home game of the year. 16 points on 6-22 shooting. Not man, very good. Put the mandate back in. He's going to play like this. Get your mask on. <laughs> uh, LaMelo Ball had 33-9-7 for the Hornets, and the Hornets passed the Nets for the eight seed. As of right now, Brooklyn would have to beat Atlanta and then beat the loser of Charlotte and Cleveland just to get the eight seed and get into the NBA playoffs. I don't know how they're going to win the East doing this. <laughs> and they're going to have to play that Boston team that has yeah. lost three times in the, last, in the 25 last 25 days. games. So... It's not looking ideal for Brooklyn. Eat Brooklyn, even if they were, even if you told us Ben Simmons was back and they were good to go, it's still an unbelievably difficult path where they're going to have to win two games, single elimination games, just to get to Boston, just to get the AC. or or the Hall of Fame coach, or the, the Hall of Fame coach. Yeah. I guess Miami could still win the East. He said it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Basically, a fact at this point. You guys are. Just, yeah, he won a couple titles. You're in. You guys are just wrong, yeah. but he's going to I mean, be in. Wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Until he gets in a fight with Jimmy Butler and ruins his Hall of Fame career. Then it's over from there. Uh, the Pelicans beat the Lakers 116 108. The Lakers led by 20. Yeah, 23 at, at one point. <laughs> I mean, I watched. I didn't see the blown lead. I, I turned it on like late third quarter, the middle of the third quarter, and then watched the fourth quarter. They're a mess. They're, they're a complete mess. I'm sorry. They're just, here's the thing. At the end of the day, they're just not very good. They have an incredible, you know, all-time greatest player, and then they just have a bunch of guys. And I, I just I just don't think they're very good. 
Who is Trey Murphy? I think he's a rookie. He scored 21 points in the third quarter. Yeah, I think he's a rookie for the Pelicans. And that was the big reason why they came back. Uh, he went to Virginia. Okay. That's all I got for you. Yes, he went this to is Virginia? his first season. This is his first season. How yeah. many did he score? I, 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 21. He went crazy. 21 in twenty-one in the game, but it was all in the third he quarter. He went to Virginia. He probably never scored 21 in his life. <laughs> Team didn't score Team 21. Team didn't score 21. <laughs> Boy, that guy's like, what happened? What? He's going back and saying, hey, Bennett, what the hell's wrong with you? Look at me. I'm a scorer. As of right now, the Lakers are 10th in the West. They are just one game ahead of the Spurs. If you fall to 11, you don't even get to play in the play-in games. You're out of the playoffs entirely. Uh, but as it... As it stands, Lakers would be in, and they would be going to New Orleans, and in the same situation as the Nets, where they have to win right. two, two games just to get the to eight. get the eight seed. <sighs> they're not good. They're they're, they're just a not bad good. basketball team. I keep watching them, wanting to be wanting them to be better, and they're just not good. But I really need them to make it, and not the Spurs, because I'd much rather watch LeBron. Well, I'd much than rather watch LeBron. The Spurs. Press box. Transition. All right, here we go. Memphis is facing multiple NCAA violations. Seven violations. Four of them are level one, which is the highest level of NCAA violation. This all relates to James Wiseman's eligibility for the 2019-2020 season. I'll try to quickly run through this. James Wiseman was ruled ineligible by the NCAA in 2019. Memphis played him anyway in a few games. Then the NCAA came in and said, okay, we're going to suspend him for 12 games. He's got to pay back a charity, whatever. Suspend him for 12 games. Wiseman ended up leaving Memphis before even serving that suspension. He did not play for Memphis again. He's like, whatever. I'm just going to the NBA. This all comes from 2017 when Penny Hardaway paid James Wiseman. Now, at the time, Hardaway was not the head coach of the Memphis Tigers. Hardaway was in the AAU realm. And they were, I think they were paying living expenses for James Wiseman to live in the Memphis area. The NCAA deemed, though, that Penny Hardaway, because he went to Memphis, was a booster for the Memphis Tigers and basically determined, well, he's a booster. He paid for this kid to move to Memphis, and then he ended up playing at Memphis. That's against NCAA rules. So that was what the NCAA's problems were here now. All of the violations, according to the reporting so far on Memphis here, all of the violations appear to be for, like, lack of institutional control and complying with the investigation. One of the examples is that a computer that was used by Mike Miller, an assistant coach at Memphis at one time, was wiped clean so that the NCAA investigators could not look at it. So that's where these allegations, or that's where these violations appear to be coming from, is simply not complying with the actual investigation. A lot of smoking guns here. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, also, here's a fun question for you. Complete speculation. Is the reason Mike Miller left college and is coaching at the high school level because of this? I don't know. They were pretty brazen in what they did. They probably thought they wouldn't get caught. Maybe he just wanted to go coach his son, who's really good. Okay. Because he suddenly was, it was like Mike Miller, assistant coach. Mike Miller was a name mentioned for the UNLV job. Well, and then all of a sudden the guy is... Coaching high school basketball, and now we find out. Do you he think he left on his own, or did clean. Penny whisper in his ear and say, "Hey, Mike, uh, after that get computer fiasco, you probably got to get out of here." <laughs> they figured out about the cleaned computer. <laughs> they found your computer, Mike. Go to the high school level. They can't do anything about it there. So, 
There's Memphis uh, potentially going to be in some trouble here. Potentially, I don't know, probation might be the lightest they get away right. with, but there might be, we see scholarship We'll learn about it in three years. Yeah, that's another good point. Kansas has been under investigation yeah. for like yeah. a decade now, and still nothing has happened. Uh, you know, I can't tell you that. The Cardinals signed Albert Pujols to a one-year $2.5 million deal. He is 42 years old. Uh, according to a story in The Athletic, the Cardinals have been trying to sign him not to start. Paul Goldschmidt's their first baseman. Not to start uh, simply as a guy to come off the bench, be a right-handed bat off the bench. He obviously played for the Cardinals for a long time, 11 years before signing with the Angels and then last year with the Dodgers as well. Um, is it not a problem with it? You don't? I mean, okay. Well, I mean, he's... The story in The Athletic gonna... basically phrased it as the Cardinals signing Pujols is them choosing Pujols over some um, minor leaguers that that should be in the right. major leagues. Like they've apparently got a couple of guys that should be in the major leagues. And if they sign Pujols, which they did, they're not going to have room for those guys. So a little bit of growth stunting potentially to bring back yes. the most famous player. player in the history of the organization. Well, yeah. one of the most famous in the last 30, in the last 30 years. years right. Exactly. But does it help them with their service time still? It does help them manipulate <laughs> service time. See, that's Albert is still giving back to the game. <laughs> The Dodgers will win the World Series if we play a full season and there is a postseason. Wait. We are winning the World Series in 2022. So but I know where you're going with that. No. What We're are you winning the World Series this year. Put it on record. You are winning the World Series. We are winning the World Series. That's our focus. That's our goal. But to your question, we are winning the World Series if our starting staff Stays healthy. I know that's vague, but I don't want to. And then that's, I, that's my answer. Okay, but you're, you're you can dig in a little bit on that, but I I, I think it's about our starting pitching. You know, just keeping our guys healthy. Okay, first off, why did Dave Roberts sound like he was trying to convince himself during that answer <laughs> and not Dan Patrick? <laughs> Second off, nobody's starting staff stays healthy. No, everybody has starting it's pitcher not health- injuries. His staff isn't healthy to start the year. No. Never mind if it's going to stay healthy. <laughs> I mean, is Dustin May? I mean, there's guys who are coming is off. Trevor bad Bauer still on the team? He is. He is still on the team. No, Uh-oh. there's going to be. I'm sure there's going to be a suspension or a continued suspension coming up. But yeah, he's still on the team. Um, did you enjoy that Dave Roberts also got a three year extension from the Dodgers over the weekend? What are you going to do? I don't know. Whatever. Our World Series champion. You already, coach. you already, you already know it was going to happen. So, I, I look, I it, yeah. If he wins the World Series, I guess I'm fine with it. Oh my god. So Dave Roberts, as the manager of the LA Dodgers, uh, has won at least 91 games in every season, except for the shortened season because they didn't play 91 games. They have won the NL West every year except last year under Dave Roberts. They have won one World Series, lost two more, lost in the NLCS twice, and lost in the NLDS once. Yeah. That's about as good of a run for a manager as you can have, and you're disappointed. You know what that is? Extension. You know what that is? What? It's a Hall of Fame resume. Oh, jeez. So, wait. You want him? You don't want him to be the manager, but he's a Hall of Famer? That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be throwing the I'll be throwing the uh, the remote that you gave me <laughs> with the pitching. It's more the pitching. I think he's fine. Uh, they're fine defensively. I like the lineups he puts out there. I think he knows what he's doing. Well, with you the can't lineup. mess up the lineup it's, it's, this year. It's just no. no well, no. unless Cody Bellinger's hitting first. Chris Taylor, you're hitting ninth. We're going to be okay. 
Um, Bellinger strike again, out again? It still goes to, he didn't play yesterday. They lost 9 0. He didn't play. <laughs> Gave him a day off finally. Um, it still goes to, I don't like how he ha- handles his staff. But other than that, you know, he's, he wins. I need to look this up to double check it. I think it's Cody Bellinger, 15 strikeouts and 18 spring training at bats. We watched one the other day. It's just, it's, yeah. It's, he uh, was 0 for 4 on Saturday with four, four strikeouts. strikeouts. And, he's, and here's the other thing. Much like last year, from what I've seen, just swinging right through straight fastballs. I mean, he can't catch up to fastball. Never mind, like, the, the junk and the chasing in the dirt. That's what he did all last year. But now guys are just like, you can't even catch up to this, and they're just throwing straight fastballs. The Dodgers winning 110 games, and you coming in here mad because Cody Bellinger is hitting 190 again is going to be incredible. I, it's going to be awesome. They're going to be far and away the best team in baseball, and you're going to be furious that Cody Bellinger's in the lineup hitting 190. Oh, Next question. Standing in your corner. Next question. Lane Kiffin threw out a golf ball as the first pitch before Friday's Ole Miss-Tennessee baseball game. If you remember, Ole Miss played at Tennessee in football. Tennessee fans were not happy about a call by the referee, and Lane Kiffin got hit by a golf ball that was thrown from the crowd and then held it up to the referee saying, "What? Well, they just hit me with this. So then when he threw out the first pitch for this game, he threw away the baseball, pulled a golf ball out of his pocket, and threw it to the catcher. Awesome. Terrific. Terrific stuff. He is literally, Lane Kiffin is having the most fun you possibly can. (laughs) As like, I'm 45 years old. I've been fired a bunch of times. I don't care. I'm I'm good. I got the hair plugs. We're great. Tennessee then swept Ole Miss in baseball (laughs) over the course of three days. Coming up next, are the Raiders going to sign Tyron Matthew? You know, we, we talked about what we were going to need to do in the second half, but Kansas came out in the second half and really hit us with like a knockout punch. We were never able to answer uh, their scoring uh, runs. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Don Logan from the Las Vegas Aviators is going to join us in a few minutes. We're also going to have tickets to give away to go see Megadeth later in the show. So stay tuned. But right now, are the Raiders signing Tyron Matthew? What what happened? I believe with- some of these reports they are. Yeah, so some of these tweets and some of these breaking news. Max Crosby tweeted on Saturday, fun fact of the day, honey badgers are silver and black. And then Jermaine Elevenor tweeted at... Tyron Matthew, you and Trayvon, talking about Trayvon Merrick, you and Trayvon would be one of the best safety duos in the league. Just saying. Uh, Tyron Matthew is a free agent after playing with the Chiefs the last few years. First question, does Tyron Matthew know who Jermaine Elmanor is? Probably not. (laughs) My guess would be no. He has no idea who he is. In fact, he saw the tweet and thought it was some kind of fan (laughs) joining in. How did this guy get verified on Twitter? <laughs> exactly. Who's this? Look how many followers this guy has. What's the, what's the deal with that? Uh, why why would Max Crosby tweet that unless he thought Matthew was coming? Yeah, to I Vegas? mean that's been the rumor, right? That the Rangers are one of the teams that he's coming to. Uh, I don't know if I, the first thing I thought is, well, he's almost thirty, um, can play a lot of different positions, versatile guys we know. Uh, but I thought the very first thing I thought is bad news for John Abram. I think Jonathan Abrams' play has been bad news for John Abram. Um, if you're the Raiders, you're you're trying desperately to improve on that position. I would think they haven't yet, so maybe they're not trying desperately. 
But yeah, I uh, any any addition they make at the safety spot is bad news for Jonathan Abram, and that's what the Raiders should be trying to do. The part that I find funny about it, though, is Jonathan Abrams' teammates are actively trying yes, to replace exactly. him on Twitter exactly. with Tyron Matthews. Yeah, because if you keep asking <laughs> him to come, you know he's going to have to replace somebody, and you probably know who that is. Yeah. Are they, okay. They're they're going to actually try to replace him, right? I would think, yeah. Like it might not end up being Tyron Matthew, but they're they are going to try to get a safety yes. that is better than Jonathan. If they've Abram. watched film. Which maybe Without they're too busy going at to dinner with Derek, Derek Carr. Carr, trying to get to know Derek Carr, so they haven't watched any film on John Abram yet. God, do you know how funny it would be if they announced a contract extension for Jonathan Abram? <laughs> Before Derek Carr. Yes. We're going to pay the people we really need. That would be great. So, okay, on the Tyron Matthew part of this, Pro Football Focus, uh, they do their contract projections for every free agent. Tyron Matthew projected to sign for $16.2 million per season. The Raiders currently have 7.4 million in cap space. Now you can structure these contracts. You can make it a a smaller first year cap hit, which is what Devontae Adams has. I think it's his is 8 million, I believe for year one. And then it jumps up to 30, but the Raiders still aren't working with a lot of cap space there with only 7.4. Now they'll get some more after June 1st, because they have a couple of guys that are post June 1st cap, uh, cuts and we'll see if they do any extensions with that money as well. But I, to me, I find it hard that they would fit 16.25 million mm-hmm. in because again, like we've talked about safety, that's, it's not like they have only got one hole left on this roster. This offensive line as it stands right now is not very good. And presumably they're going to have to find somebody sign somebody else to be a starting offensive lineman for this team. So sign or draft. I well, but they're in the third you round. You don't pick into so the third round; it becomes a lot tougher. Unless they'd have to come up. So I find it hard to believe they'd be signing Matthew to a contract that would pay him sixteen million dollars per season, unless there's some other move in right. place, right? Like, does a car extension lower his cap hit for this year? Right? Maybe that's something that happens. Does so? That's what I'm curious to see is what happens to this Raiders cap hit and, and how much money, because they don't have a whole lot left to spend here without doing something else. And between safety and offensive line, they've still got some holes they need to fill. So I don't know that it'll be Tyron Matthew, but when your best defensive player tweets about Tyron Matthew being a Raider, you certainly look up and say, oh, is he like in town? Is right. he signing a deal? Like what's nor like when I saw that tweet, I thought, oh, he's going to be signed with the Raiders right. today. Like that was my first assumption. My actually, my first time, did I miss it? Did I miss that they already signed the guy? So I don't. I would still guess no, but you get a couple tweets from players, and it makes you think it might be real. Well, you have down here. There's other cheaper ones available, also. So not bad, not bad ones. PFF, their top ten free agents uh, at the safety spot. J. Ron Curse was seventh, and Kareem Jackson was ninth. Okay, and they're not um, going to want $16.5 million. No, much, much cheaper deals if you sign those guys. The only issue with signing those guys is how much of an improvement on Jonathan Abram are they? Like, they're they're going to be better than Jonathan Abram, but are they a significant improvement that you're actually going to make a substantial difference on defense? Or are you better off drafting a safety in round three? And even though it's round three, right. draft a guy in round three and see if he can beat out Jonathan Abram. And if he does, great. Now you got yeah, your starting safety him. and he doesn't make very much money. So... I think that's curious. And then back on sort of the salary cap part of this, because maybe they have to go sign J. Ron Curse instead of Tyron Matthew. Devontae Adams trade and the signing there 
that's going to hurt the Raiders quite a bit in terms of roster building. Because A, granted, his cap hit is not very big this year, but it balloons next season. It hurts their cap, right? They don't have as much money to spend on players. But more importantly, they traded away their first and second round picks. And had they not done that, we would have been talking about, hey, their first and second round picks are going to be starters. We would have been talking about it like last year when they drafted Alex Otherwood and Trayvon Merrick in the first two rounds. Those two guys were starters, even though one of them wasn't very good. They were starters. We'd be talking about, okay, well, they haven't signed an offensive lineman, but they can draft one in the first round. They haven't signed a safety, but they can draft What about wide receiver? Had they not signed him? Signed Marquez Valdez-Scantling for cheaper, right? I mean, you could sign different guys. But yeah, there would have been positions to fill, and you do it with the draft. But because they don't have a first and second round pick, it's it's hard to count on, well, we can draft at least one starter when you don't pick until the third round. That's a hard thing to right. actually expect from a team to find so a, many. There's a, a, so few Max Crosby's right, out there. Find a guaranteed starter right. in round three and later. You can do it, and the Raiders might do it. Right? They might they might knock it out with their third or fourth round draft pick, and they might find a starting safety that's better than Jonathan Abram and good to go in round five. Right? And good for them if they do that. That's going to help this team. That's the type of moves there. That's the type of draft picks they're going to have to make to sort of offset the big money they've handed out. But that's not something you can expect you can't go into a draft and say you know what round three we're drafting our starting tackle or our starting safety that's just not a realistic way to expect the offseason to play out I saw a breaking tweet yesterday that they're about to sign Matthew and uh Stefan Gilmore both today uh did you see that McDaniel said today that there hasn't been anything substantial on Stefan Gilmore Gilmore. right so I don't think that's happening either because again same situation he probably wants more money than the Raiders Hand or are willing to do. Right yeah, have to hand out right now. And again, you can make space usually, but do you make space to bring in Stefan Gilmore? Maybe, maybe not. When you have, I mean, Stefan Gilmore, he actually wouldn't make as much sense right now, would he? Not as much as Matthew, no, yeah. given the position. Because, I mean, granted, the Raiders, not to say their cornerbacks are like great, but Trayvon Mullen and Rocky Asin right. as your starting two corners is much better than Jonathan Abram as your starting safety. Right. And, much better than what they'd be rolling out there as their offensive line at the moment. Right. They're all, like, that's the that's, thing. I think I'd be he okay. He talked about them this morning saying, we know it, we're just got to coach them better. He didn't really, he didn't, when McDaniels talked this morning, he didn't give away some sense that they're going to go out and keep signing offensive linemen, which is amazing. I mean, is their offensive line coach that good? That's got to be, that's got to be just like a, a ploy. That's got to just be him saying, yeah, we're going to coach these guys up that we got. Surely they're going to have do you something. watched film. Surely they're going to do something. They've got like I would feel in all seriousness right now where the Raiders roster sits, they should be worried about like if if Jonathan Abram has to start at safety because they spent more money on the offensive line. I think that's a fair trade off because hey, we got to improve the offensive line. We'll find a way to hide Jonathan Abram, right? We'll figure that one out. We'll convert a corner to safety if he's that bad. But like. You got to you got to do something on the offensive line. You can't go in next year, right? Right now, what would it be? Denzel Good would be the second best right. offensive lineman behind Colton Miller, and then Andre James, Alex Leatherwood, and Brandon Parker. It'd be great if that's why Carr hasn't found a sweet spot. He's like, I can't sign with these guys. The, you, you, you see the offensive you, you, line. You've signed every other position except the offensive line. The guys who are supposed to protect me. Have you seen those I guys? Got small hands. I'm going to fumble exactly. a lot, guys. Coming up next, Don Logan joins the show. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas.
Joining us now, president of the Las Vegas Aviators, Don Logan. Good morning, Don. How Hi, are Donnie. you today? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good. Good. Uh, the Aviator season gets started on April 5th. They are hosting Reno. Um, By the way, is the whole six-game series, is that here to stay for AAA baseball? Um, <laughs> well, we debated it heavily. But for this year, yes. Okay. Uh, a bunch of my colleagues are uh, thrifty. I won't call them cheapskate, <laughs> short-sighted, or some of the other stuff I've called them on our meetings. But, yeah, the, the six-game thing is here for another year. Uh, they're hiding behind COVID to save a few bucks on travel, and, and I, I don't think it's good for the fans, but uh, I'm in the minority. Uh, I, I did my best sales job on some of these guys and it didn't work. What is good for the fans, Don? What uh, Throughout the last few years, what, you know, what did you miss I, I the like most? Four. Uh, and I think about it in multiple. The fans get, I mean, we heard it a bunch last year. People got tired of seeing the same team six times in a row. And that, understandably, COVID changed things. We we had the health and safety protocols. It was an odd year. But now we have a chance to get back to normal. We should go back to that. You know, the three and four game series that we had typically done for years and years and years are good. You hear it from scouts who come in, you know, uh, now they like the six games because they get to see all five starting pitchers. That they're the only ones that like six games. <laughs> but uh, you talk to fans, you talk to, you know, and and now we go from a sixteen team league to a ten team league, so you don't get the variety of uh, of visiting teams coming in, and that's why I just I think having that many games, it's not good for the fans. It it gets tough downstairs, and and it's really tough on the umpires. There's always that you know the ABM's going to. I'm sure you want to talk about that. But, That'll change things a little bit, but the players get annoyed. They're competing hard, and bad stuff's going to happen. There'll be fights. There'll be issues between the teams, issues between the umpires. So uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of the six-game setup, no. Uh, you mentioned it there, but uh, robot strike zone, how do you feel about that coming to AAA? Uh, the, the day they put the, tr- the rectangle on TV uh, games all the time and the strikes that showed up outside of it were called or uh, balls were pitches were called balls that were inside the rectangle. It was inevitable. I said that, you know, five, however long it's been out there. I knew that this was going to happen. The technology's there. Uh, It's going to be a work in progress. I know, uh, you know, the Jose Altuve strike zone is a hell of a lot different than Aaron judges. So (laughs) that's, and think about it. You, we all know that it's your fan, but, what about, you know, Cody Thomas is going to be with us. Cody's 6'4", uh, 8 maybe. And is, are we going to have the technology here in Las Vegas and then the other ballparks around the, the Pacific Coast League that can take care of that? I don't know. But it, it, it it's technology is part of the world today. It, it's something that we do have to embrace, uh, like it or not. And it's cool. You know, I, I don't have a problem with that. We did have to dump out there, Don. That's okay, though. We're we're good to go. Um, we dumped you. Yeah, but we're good. We're good. So <laughs> are there any other of the experimental rules that you like or dislike? I know we're going to see bigger bases at some point. The pitch clock has been a big thing that's been talked about. Uh, there's there's shift banning that might be coming here. Is there is there anything else that you like or don't like that we're seeing with these experimental rules? <laughs> uh, you know, I think the larger bases uh, don't really make a lot of sense if you think about it. 
that uh, the speed that these guys play the game at it it's 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 not to go to the effort that we're going to on those i i think that's much ado about nothing i i the pitch clock again you know baseball one of the nuances of it that's great is that we have no clock you know the game is you know there's not we've been watching college basketball you know for the last couple of weeks there's it's not 20 minute halves it's it's nine innings you know and they they can take two hours and 10 minutes if Greg Maddox pitches and it can take four hours if 10 guys for each team pitch it's just the way it is uh that getting the players getting everybody to move it along I think is a good idea but my thinking has always been all the the umpires just got to open up the strike zone, call strikes, make the strike zone bigger, make guys swing the bat, give the pitchers, you know, a little bigger area to, to, to throw to. And obviously the plate's as wide as it is, but uh, you know, you could stretch the strike zone from top to bottom a little bit. And I think help that. But uh, again, that's, they want to speed the thing up. But then we want to make more money. We make money on between innings selling commercials. So <laughs> that's a good one too. If you, it's a contradiction in a lot of ways. But uh, so that uh, again, that's that's the idea of it. Really enforcing it. It comes back down to the umpires. Now, if you take balls and strikes off their plate, and then they have to enforce the pace of game, maybe that works. I don't know. Uh, the shift thing. I'm not a. I think that the. The way that the kids hit today, I mean, it, everybody's a lean and launch, dead pull hitter. I think that's going to be a good thing. That's going to increase offense significantly. Uh, just the way that the the way the kids are taught today, that's just the way they they swing the bat. So that's going to help. That's going to there'll be more runs. Uh, if you're a pitcher, you're not going to like that. But like everything else, there'll be adjustments made. So it uh, it it's it's all good. Do you get a sense that up in Oakland they're saying, you know what, we just are not going to lose them. We're just going to go. We're going to make it an agreement here. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think if you really, you know, that what they've done to the team, obviously they they've traded the, the high profile, productive guys away. Uh, I, I know John Fisher, the owner of the A's, is he, he really wants to to win. He wants to put a good product out there. I've, been around him a lot. Uh, I know Billy. Uh, I've known Billy for thirty years. You know he's developed a reputation as a guy that can get things done. And, and they've got kind of this dual path going on. They've got to get the the farm system was was depleted, so they needed to reinvigorate that, which they've done uh, with a lot of the guys they've traded for. And at the same time, what are we going to do with the ballpark situation? Are we going to stay here? Are we going to go to Vegas? And, you know, the, the fact that we're here and their AAA club is in Vegas makes it a little more delicate for them uh, in terms of what type of product they put on the field and then what their move about. Uh, is, the, is the situation in Oakland something that can be done? And in my mind, just think about Oakland, Las Vegas. I mean, I don't even know Tyler. And Tyler, you seem like a smart dude. Where do you want to go hang out, Oakland or Las <laughs> Vegas? Where do you Where do you think there's more money for tickets and sponsorships and energy and places to live and ability to attract free agents? Oakland, I mean, it's, it's a no brainer in my mind. So they should come here then. 
Should be the end result. Uh, he is Don Logan, the president of the Las Vegas Aviators. Don, we appreciate your time Thanks, this morning. Tony. All right, boys. Take it easy. Take care. I very much enjoy him telling us that he was fighting on those AAA calls about six-game series. Yeah. That other teams apparently want to keep it because they save some money on travel because you play. Again, they, they open the, se- the season with Reno. On a Tuesday against Reno, they played them six straight days. <laughs> and all, all of them here. Yeah, oh yeah, all of them in Vegas. And there's some three-game series in their schedule, but if you go through it, it's pretty much Tuesday to Sunday six-game series for the majority of the season. And I love that he's like, I don't want to do that. This is terrible for our product, but <laughs> the other guys in our league are cheap. <laughs> he didn't sen- He didn't give me the sense that he thinks Vegas is leverage. Did not did not get that sense either from him, but it is. They want to stay in Oakland. That'd be their preferred option there. I I, I mean, agree if they get what they if they get what they want. I will I will say of all the teams, the A's. I mean, at one point they were in Kansas City. At one point they were in like what Philadelphia? Like the, yeah. didn't they start in Philadelphia? I I think that's I, right. I don't know. All I know is that this is a team that's just like where's the ballpark? Yeah, we'll go there. That was the Raiders, too. Just move all over the place. Although the, the I, I A's give, have been in Oakland for I a give him credit for being around Fisher that much. Fisher, you, I don't know if anyone's ever seen him other than Don Logan. He certainly hasn't talked to anyone other than Don Logan. He doesn't talk or he's, he's never seen that guy. Should I reach out to Cobble and just be like, we had Don Logan on the yes. show. Yeah, Cobble. Come on. Uh, I also enjoy that he doesn't think the bigger bases matter at all. He's like, we're putting way too much time and effort into make these right. bases bigger. <laughs> That is one of the seemingly kind of silly ones, isn't it? I mean, the idea is that close plays at the base are going to go to the runner more often because the base is bigger, so it's easier to get there. I also just read a story in The Athletic that they're moving second base up a little bit. Towards the mound? Yeah, second base has apparently always been out of position. Okay. Well, if it's out of position, then move it up. I didn't know that. Apparently, the, the back of first and third base, if you drew a straight line... Doesn't hit it. Hits the middle of second base okay. instead of the back, the of, back second of second base. base. So All second right. base has always been a half of a base width out of position, and they're moving it up, which will How make does it. That a, which will I don't know. Which will make <laughs> it a little bit closer. Apparently, something. Don't you get in, the string out? Something in like the 1930s or something like that, where they I mean, they you get moved the string first out like in little league when you do the chalk yeah. and you just do the string in a straight line. It's like, wait a minute, this is this is not uh, matching up. Did we? Didn't we do a whole segment on the fact that at one point, or the, the great thing about baseball is that, yeah, how big do you want to make the outfield? 700 feet! Yes, as big as you like it. <laughs> the polo grounds. Yes. As big as you want it to Except be. Except at the corners where it's 140. Yes. Just pop it up and you'll get one out if you hit it down the line. But yeah, they're moving second base in a little bit. I think at the minor league level first, not at the They do everything level. at the minor league level first. Right. And again, some of it is sort of like stupid inane, like we're going to make the bases like four inches bigger. But then some of it's like, yeah, the the umpsters aren't calling balls and strikes this year. We got a computer doing that, which is great. I hope that hope that happens. And Don's right. As soon as you put a box on the screen to tell the viewers what's a ball oh, and yeah. a strike, yes, especially when you 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 do all the missed ones. Yeah, because I told you it's it's the most infuriating thing for me watching sports is home plate umpires getting balls and strikes wrong. Yeah, when I in real time can see watch whether ball. it's right or yes. wrong. Like, that's the most, like, it's not like, it's completely different from like a basketball game where 
whatever, a ball gets tipped out of bounds and they go to review and see who it went off of. I don't see that in real time, right? I like no, when we both see the hands replay, are up there and, and, and the ball just right. goes out of bounds. When we see the replay, okay, we see it went off this guy's fingertips last. Fine, whatever. But when I can see in real time that that guy just missed a ball strike call, it's it's infuriating because it's like we I'm watching it. I'm not even at the place, and I could tell you whether or not what the count right. should be. And that guy missed two in this single count and ruined the entire at bat. At least once during a basketball game, I go, how is that a foul? His arms are straight up. And then they show the replay, and I'm like, oh, he's walking the entire time. He's just walking into the other player. I'm just an idiot. All right, here we go. We got tickets to go see Megadeth. They're coming to Las Vegas on April 9th, playing at Michelob Ultra Arena. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to go see Megadeth, 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number six. So we'll hook that cross in. Pulisic! Oh, hat-trick! What a night! We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Where is my MLS team? You got four days. Is it four days? Yeah. Don Garber, three days now, right? Three days now. Don Garber, the commissioner of Major League Soccer, back in December uh, during the MLS Cup, he was asked about expansion, and he sort of talked up the idea that they were close. Las Vegas was the favorite, and he said that they would have an announcement on expansion in quarter one of 2022. The end of March is the end of quarter one of 2022. It's March 28th. We got a few days, Don Garber. Where's my MLS team? Where's this quarter one announcement about my MLS team? We're supposed to have one in Vegas by now, and we don't have one. Check hasn't cast yet. Is that the problem? Maybe that's it. Maybe the check hasn't cashed. You know they're Why not giving anyone a team without that fee. Why hasn't Wes Eden's check that's cashed? The only, that's the only reason or way they make money is that check. So Major League Soccer in Las Vegas. Wes Eden's is the proposed owner of a potential team in Las Vegas. Um, it's basically his deal uh, that's been the one that Don Garber has talked up. Are we simply waiting on him to pay I the mean, expansion fee? Yeah. Is that what is that what this the only comes way down the MLS to? makes any money? There's so there's two there's two monetary issues from the Las Vegas side or from the West Eden side, I should probably say. Number one is the expansion fee that you're going to have to pay Which to is join half a billion. I we don't know what it is for this team yet, okay. but it'll probably be at least over three hundred million. Okay, and we'll see what the high end actually comes into. But the expansion fee is one big monetary hurdle for West Edens and Las Vegas. The other one is the stadium part of this, which again has been the biggest question mark and my biggest concern about, are we actually going to get one? Because the plan for major league soccer, almost every time they announce a new team is they want that team to have Have its its own stadium, have its own stadium. They don't like teams playing in football stadiums because generally speaking, those are too big for the crowd. Doesn't look good. Atlanta and Seattle are an exception. Charlotte did a really good job selling out at a football stadium in their first game. But generally speaking, they would rather a team play in a 20,000 seat mm-hmm. stadium because when you have 18,000 in a 20,000 seat stadium, looks good looks great. You have 18,000. Well, hell, when you have 28,000 in a 75,000 seat right. stadium, Doesn't. it looks terrible. So generally speaking, they want their own. We have not heard anything about how this stadium is going to be built. Not a single thing about it, right? 
Not, nothing about public money paying for it. Nothing about private money paying for it. We have nothing on this. We have both made the assumption on this show that there's not going to be any public money no. for an MLS stadium because we've had Steve Sisolak and other people say there's no appetite to give the Oakland A's money for a major league baseball team. We're assuming there's not going to be an appetite to give a major league soccer right. team any money as well, which would mean Wes Edens is going to have to pay for all of this, that he's going to have to pay for his own stadium. And that to me, that's, that to me, that's got to be where the issue is, is that there is some sort of monetary holdup or some sort of monetary, ooh, do I want to pay this much money from Wes Edens? That he's looking around saying, man, am I really going to build a brand new stadium all by myself and pay this expansion fee and not get any help whatsoever? Well, he's worth a billion of dollars, and he's a co-owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. So he he's just, so he's got the money, and um, he's definitely got the money. I'm going to butcher it. his name. He's partnered with Nasif Suarez, I think is how you pronounce for this his name. team for for this team, and that guy I think is worth even more money than Wes yeah. Edens is. So, like, conceivably, the money's there. They just have to spend it. They just have to be willing to do it. So I came on yelling about Don Garber. Maybe I should actually be yelling about Wes, Wes Edens, Edens that he doesn't and, want to spend any of his money. Yeah, and Nasif Suarez. It has to be money wise because. I don't think I don't think Don Garber would have gone out on that limb and said by the yeah. end of the first quarter. He, why why would you specifically say that time frame? He was I mean, he was talking as if it was a done deal without actually saying it's a done deal right. back in December. He was like expansion's coming. Now, like people asked him specific questions about Wes Edens because everybody was like, Oh, he's talking about Las Vegas and he answered them about Wes Edens. So it's I, I think I'm guessing it's the money side. I'm guessing that Major League Soccer is ready to give Las Vegas a team once they get the check. Once they get the check. And I and assume they know there's a stadium right. coming. I assume they're gonna I assume they're not gonna give Las Vegas a team and then figure out the stadium. I assume no. there's gonna at least gonna be some, sort, be of some sort of agreement. Right. Some sort of plan in place where they have at least bought the land and have right. a stadium right. plan design or right. something like that. They can't just be like, yeah, here's your team. Oh, you don't have a stadium planning yet? Like, that'd be a disaster. Because then what are we doing for a few years? Just looking around, staring at each other, saying, okay, are they building a stadium or not? So where's my MLS team? I don't understand why why it's not here. <laughs> we have like four days. Somehow, somehow Las Vegas Lights still is the premier soccer team in Las Vegas, even though they lost to Memphis oh, on yeah. Saturday. What is that, 1-0? Yeah, ruin their two-game winning streak. Yeah, are they still? well, they're still in a playoff position. Uh, they have question. to be. Eh, they don't have to be. I mean, it's they... still it's early in the year. Things get congested at the top. You never know. Let's see. Did they fall out of the playoffs so far? Let's see. Uh, ooh, they are still in. They're still in. Still as in. As we speak. They have a negative one goal differential, but they're in the playoffs. Longest uh, they've ever held a playoff spot, right? Uh, no. Chile started off really well his first year. Well, they were I like mean, they were like unbeaten the first three games of the year. It took like seven or eight games for them to like fall under five hundred in Chalice's first year. So before they, the smoking and the before yeah before the red card actually he got one in preseason. So it was, oh, it was right. after that yeah. So, so you, yeah you do what you're getting. So yeah, uh, but currently in a playoff spot, Lights FC. They play uh, they play in the Who's U.S. Next? Open Cup next week. The U.S. Open Cup is the big tournament. I'm very excited for that. I, it might be the first year they don't get eliminated by an amateur team. Because <laughs> that's happened the only other two times they've played in the U.S. Open Cup. As teams come in here with, they don't even have team jerseys and they beat Lights FC. 
Shirts and skins? Just basically. wear something scary. You guys wear basically. the shirts will be skins? Yeah, just show up in the same... Everybody wear dark blue? <laughs> yeah, that's black, Johnny. What are you doing, you idiot? But yeah, hopefully they don't lose to an amateur team this year. 